Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning, this is Peter Lewis welcoming you to my podcast Money Talk for Monday the 11th of September. Markets reopened today in Hong Kong after a second successive Friday of extreme weather which caused the closure of the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. I have all the latest business and finance news for you. This podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's headlines, India hosted world leaders at the G20 summit in New Delhi over the weekend. Attendees included US President Joe Biden and French President Emmanuel Macron, but not Xi Jinping or Russian President Vladimir Putin, who both skipped the Forum of Leading Nations. Host nation India pulled off a huge surprise by announcing that agreement on a final communique had been reached, despite the geopolitical friction ahead of the gathering. The final declaration surprisingly included a joint statement on the war in Ukraine, G20 leaders denounced the use of force for territorial gain and the agreement talked about human suffering in Ukraine but stopped short of directly criticising Russia. The Ukrainian government said the statement was nothing to be proud of. The US, India and Gulf countries have announced a historic new railways and port corridor to link the regions. The corridor aims at linking countries in the Middle East by rail and connecting them to India by port. By reducing shipping time, costs and fuel consumption, this initiative would greatly enhance the transportation of energy resources and trade from the Gulf countries to Europe. China's deflationary pressures eased slightly in August as consumer prices rose and producer price declines moderated. China's consumer prices climbed by 0.1% year-on-year, below economists' forecasts of a 0.2% gain and after a 0.3% drop a month earlier. China's producer price inflation dropped 3% year-on-year in August, matching economists' forecasts and slowing from a 4.4% decline in the prior month. Japan's economy expanded by less than expected in the second quarter. The economy grew 4.8% Q-on-Q on an annualised basis in the three months to June, compared to initial estimates for growth of 6%. On today's programme, I'm joined by Alex Wong, Director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management, and Dickie Wong, Head of Research at Kingston Securities. And providing a view from mainland China will be Yan'an Wu, the Chairman and CEO of Surfing Group. And if you want to get in touch, please go to my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. On Wall Street, US stocks rose slightly on Friday but logged a losing week amid renewed worries that the Federal Reserve may raise rates more than previously expected as data showed the US economy to be stronger than forecast. The S&P 500 edged up 0.1% to snap a three-day losing streak and finish at 4,457. Over the holiday short week, the benchmark index fell 1.3%. That's the first negative week in three. The Dow added 76 points, or 0.2%, to close at 34,577. The Dow finished the week 0.7% lower. And the Nasdaq Composite eked out a 0.1% gain to settle at 13,762, trimming the decline across the past four sessions to 1.9%. The weekly losses were partly due to stock market heavyweight Apple enduring a two-day sell-off that wiped almost $200 billion from its market capitalization following reports the Chinese government was planning to broaden the ban on iPhone usage. Shares of the tech group edged 0.4% higher on Friday but were down 6% over the week, leaving the stock 10% lower from its highs in July. 
The dollar surged to its highest weekly close since December. The US dollar index has risen for eight straight weeks, ending last week 0.8% higher in the longest streak of weekly gains since February 2015. And the onshore Chinese yuan, which isn't in the US dollar index, is at its weakest since December 2007. And offshore yuan fell to a record low since its inception in 2010. China's offshore yuan fell for five straight days against the dollar for its worst week since February to close at renminbi 7.36 and a half. China's onshore yuan, which is traded on the mainland, was at a 16-year low, trading at 7.34 and a third against the dollar. The Shanghai Composite fell 0.2% to 3,117. It was down half a percent for the week. And China's iPhone ban sent supplier stocks tumbling. Luxshare Precision Industry slid 2% in Shenzhen, while Apple supplier Foxconn Industrial Internet dropped 0.6% in Shanghai. Battery giant CAT lost 1.6%, and AI server maker Inspur Electronic dropped 3.3%. Markets in Hong Kong will reopen today after being closed on Friday because of the black rainstorm warning. Looks like they're going to open about 1% lower. That's down 190 points at just above 18,000 when trading gets going. And you can get more details on the latest market movements in my daily newsletter at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Let's welcome our guests. We have with us on this Monday morning, Alex Wong, who is Director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management. Morning to you, Alex. Hi, morning, Peter. And also with us is Dickie Wong, who's Head of Research at Kingston Securities. Very good morning to you, Dickie. Good morning, Peter. And Alex, hi. Okay, let's start um, with the China markets. If we look at the performance so far, because we're coming up to the end now of the third quarter, about to enter uh, the fourth quarter. So far this year, the Hang Seng down 8%. The Shanghai Composite, uh, more or less flat, actually, up about 0.9%. But Alex, not a great performance, really, is it, for the start of the year? But how do you think things are looking going forward from here? I think uh, it would still be going lower, but uh, uh, not at a very fast pace. I think it will gradually edge lower. Uh, Catalysts actually are uh, not much. Um, So um, I think uh, people are still worried about the uh, continual depreciation of B and the policies for the housing market actually would not help much. Um, And the China-US tensions actually would continue to deteriorate, I think, and hurt the sentiment. Because if you look at the development last week, actually, China and US are are hurting each other. So um, uh, people probably would worry about the escalation of this uh, scenario. So I think uh, overall the sentiment will remain bearish. But uh, the pace probably may not be that much because it be not that fast because I think uh, there will not be too much uh, cut losses uh, along the way right now because I think people already exited a lot on their positions. It looks like the slide in the renminbi, which is really linked, isn't it, to the differential between um, the U.S. Treasury yields and the the Chinese uh, government bond yields. So that that gap's widened now to a record high. So presumably the pressure is going to stay on the renminbi from here on. Yeah, I think uh, this uh, is a problem because I don't think uh, people expect uh, the renminbi would uh, raise weight. So the only way to 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 low, narrow the differential would be U.S. to cut rates. So I think uh, this is uh, not easy to happen as well. So I think uh, this differential actually will continue to be um, bad for the RMB. What would make you change your mind and become more bullish on the Chinese market in the in the final quarter? 
I think, as I've said, I think、uh, we need to see a change in attitude、uh, towards the private sector, and I think、uh, we need the market to buy in、uh, on that、uh, change. So right now, I think、uh, they are doing some baby steps、uh, to 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 show their commitments towards the private sector, but I don't think the market is buying in.、Mm. So I think、uh, we need to see a change in attitudes in in that sector because、uh, people probably would know about the、um, SOEs,、uh, and actually.、Uh, Over the past few months,、uh, the strength in the SOE actually is not helping the market, and I think that people doubt the、uh, capability of the management in the long term. So I think we need the private sector to lead the market higher. So、mm. this is、uh, quite difficult. And for the housing sector, I think it is it is already done. Is it? it There's not much to be do to, to, to be done, and then I think uh, probably uh, this problem would remain for long term. Dicky, what are your thoughts? It hasn't been a, a good year so far, has it? If you're an investor、right. in Chinese stocks, whether you do it here in Hong Kong or directly on the mainland, but what are your thoughts going forward? We're coming up to the last quarter now.、Um, how how do you feel? Well, obviously, Hong Kong stock market and also Asia stock market are. Two of the worst performing market in the world, and nothing can really stop the momentum right now.、Uh, I do really agree with Alex,、um, es- especially when we take a closer look to the to the Renminbi.、Uh, you can see when Renminbi depreciates,、uh, well, the Hong Kong stock market plummets right away.、Mm. So when we're talking about the longer term tendency of the Renminbi, I don't really think that there is an any. Catalyst will boost the Renminbi to rebound. So the Renminbi obviously will test new low and new low again and again for the rest of the year. This is my personal opinion. And、uh, obviously, China officials、uh, or government they already did what they can do、uh, in the past month.、Uh, as we all know, Chinese authorities are easing mortgage rules and extending tax refunds for. Home buyers in mainland,、uh, but really nothing to to help the, the I mean the momentum and the the situation because most of the people in mainland they're just lack of confidence in basically everything,、uh, not only in the stock market but also in the property market,、mm. and、um, yeah because I don't really see、uh, any downside for Federal Reserve. They may continue to hike interest rate in the year end too. So we cannot now conclude that、uh, Federal Reserve, oh, they will not hike any interest rate from now on. We we cannot simply have this kind of conclusion. So maybe one more twenty five basis point or or nothing. But obviously, I I don't really see any doubt. I'm、uh, any any rooms for Fed to cut the interest rate. So therefore, you can see the ten years bond yield. Uh, from U.S. and China, it is just simply more than two percent right now.、Mm-hmm. So it's a record, Renminbi, isn't it? There's gap. Exactly, it's a- one of the record high. Obvious, that's so obvious. So、uh, I, I don't really see any 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 rebound of the Renminbi. So therefore,、um, any rebound of the Asia market and also the Hong Kong market will be short-lived.
like yeah. some of the like um, stimulus from mainland China, including all the like as I've just said, the mortgage rules, and uh, basically PBOC also did whatever they can do. Uh, for instance, they already cut the one-year LPR, uh, SLF, MLF rates, and uh, also they cut the foreign reserve requirement ratio and etc. You name it, uh, but. Yeah, you can see uh, the the Asian market all rebound slightly and then all and then pull back again. Every every single time they repeat the same bad same pattern. Mm. So in my personal opinion, I, I think Asian market and and I also include the Hong Kong market will continue to underperform everywhere else, including US and what, in, what would in, make you change what would make you change your mind, Dickie? What would make you turn more positive on China markets? What would you like to see happen um, to, to, to give you a more positive feeling for the rest of the year? Well, every class is some kind of like silver lining. Um, in terms of the valuation, this is one of the things, but valuation always is like it's not something that very guaranteed. Uh, when we talk about the, uh, the MSCI China, and MSCI US, the valuation clearly, um, the, the Chinese market is just only half of its, uh, the, the US valuation at the moment. So we can call, oh, Asian market is really cheap. Hong Kong stock market is really cheap now. Uh, they're trading at close to uh, one of these um, historical low valuation. Yes, we can conclude this, but nothing can help the, the market sentiment because if you ask me, anything can really help to to improve the sentiment in hong kong it's something that the hong kong government may do for instance have a cut on the on the several taxes uh including trading yeah because we are paying very high stamp duty costs for every single trade in hong kong um when I buy Hong Kong stock and sell Hong Kong stock, we have to pay 0.26% stamp duty. This is ridiculously high. Mm-hmm. And um, second of all, in, in mainland, obviously, Chinese government, as I said, at, at least they act really fast, fast, much faster than Hong Kong government, but uh, cannot really help the, the, the situation. So uh, they need to continue to do all the stimulus, including not only monetary policy, but also fiscal policy, everything they have to, uh, they have to do. Because as Alex has just mentioned, um, the increasing tension um, between China and US and, and other countries, like in, including India, uh, will not help, really help the situation because mm. we can see that the tension uh, now intensifying. Mm. Uh, even Chinese officials, uh, some of the, 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 the workers in, in government, they're not allowing to bring their iPhone back to the office. So this is one of the examples. Mm. Alex, I mean, you, I know you're you're not that positive on the market overall, but if you look into the market, are, are there particular sectors or, or particular areas that do excite you and, and, and get your interest? I think of, uh, right now people are going all in the oil uh, in China right now because uh, that is uh, not less affected by the uh, weak MMB. So this is one of the most defensive sectors in the market right now, and every people are, are going into this one. Uh, and then I think uh, if you want to buy China, I think you need to buy into the um, new economy side. So uh, probably um, 
the consumer uh, side would still be okay in the long term. So you can go for some value right now in that sector. And for tax, I think we need to see a change in sentiment because they they are cheap and they they but their their power are limited right now. I think people are worried about the long term uh, restrictions uh, by those uh, regulators. So I think uh, uh, they probably will provide some value, but uh, the momentum actually is not there. So if you want to invest in China, I think uh, either uh, going into the tech or the consumer side in the long term, but uh, the momentum right now is not there. But if you want to to buy into something which has momentum, I think oil would be the one. It sounds like you, 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 you're being quite defensive and quite cautious at the moment. Is that true the world over? I mean, are you when you look at other markets as well, are you taking a more defensive um, sort of posture now and, and struggling to find value? Or? Uh, no, actually, uh, if you go into Japan and or US, that is a different story. US has been much more resilient than we expect uh, because the, the rise in bond yield actually uh, uh, did not hurt much, hurt much uh, on the uh, tech sector uh, in the US right now. Uh, we are seeing some retreat uh, in Apple on Ethereum last week, and actually um, many stocks are holding quite well. Say Uber actually uh, is uh, rising yeah, last week. So um, I think that is a different story in the other markets, especially in Japan. We like those uh, anime-related uh, uh, com- uh, companies because uh, right now you got uh, more and more uh, hits on Netflix. And just now we got uh, One Piece, uh, and that is very well received in the world. I think mm. uh, uh, Japan actually uh, would be an interesting one to go. And then uh, in the in US, I think uh, probably people would go into those uh, franchise which may help by the development of AI, but uh, not those uh, hot stocks like uh, Mastercard, Visa Card. Actually, they are very strong right now. Yeah. And, and what about India? Is that a market that you're interested in? A lot of focus on India at the moment, isn't there? And particularly because of all the offshoring that's going on, moving yep. supply chains to the country, and it's uh, obviously got good demographics. Is it a market that interests you? Yeah, but uh, the problem is that we did not get easy, get easy access to that market. So basically, we are going into ETF in the U.S. and or one or two counters in in the um, in 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 those uh, India companies listed in the U.S. Like uh, uh, one company called Make My Trip, and then that is uh, the Indian version of uh, Chip.com, and and that actually so uh, it's quite interesting because uh, you have the success business model. Uh, example in China, so people probably would like to get into those um, repeat in in the India in a few years time again. Okay, um, Dickie, the big story last week was Apple, wasn't it? it had two hundred billion dollars um, wiped off its market capitalization in just a couple of days on this news that um, China's government agencies. I've told employees not to use iPhones in the offices and then reports that this is going to be extended to state-owned companies as well. It looks like um, Apple is really the, the latest company that's been taken hostage in the, in the US-China tech war. Well, it really, uh, nothing can help the situation. And I've just mentioned, uh, as we all know, like the, the tension between China and, and US will not be eased basically forever. So uh, in terms of like for single, um, I mean, company, um, you've just mentioned Apple, and um, but but also Huawei, and also an SMCIC, they're also under attack as well. So um, in terms of their share price, but uh, I, I think uh, Apple will definitely survive. 
but so obviously, uh, people are looking at their new iPhone and thinking that uh, any any really significant change on the new iPhone, uh, should I buy one? <laughs> this has mm-hmm. remained one of the, the key questions of most of the, the, the iPhone <laughs> users right now. Should so I buy the iPhone 15? <laughs> yeah, it's not only because of the tension, also because of... Uh, why should I buy the new iPhone again and again every single year and it's look really almost the same, <laughs> but mm. the chip is slightly faster. So users are asking some kind of question like this. So uh, the, the reason pullback is not only driven by uh, the news that um, Chinese officials uh, will not be allowed to bring their iPhone back to the office. But um, for Apple, it, it could be significant, couldn't it? Because if there is a big downturn in sales, maybe because of this Huawei uh, Mate 60 Pro that everyone's talking about, it's sold out on the on the mainland. But nevertheless, um, Apple makes about a fifth of its revenues from the Chinese market. So it could be a significant issue, couldn't it? And, and also in particular, um, this issue of what's going on with the, the Mate 60 and whether that's going to attract uh, more sanctions or on SMIC, which appears to make the uh, the chip for it. Well, in the longer term, yes, China or Chinese company, they may be able to make like a faster chip for even some of the the private sector and even for some of the the, the cell phone uh, manufacturer. But at the moment, uh, I, I do really believe that um, the, the the iPhone, the Apple incident happening in, in mainland now, it's it's only. Uh, a rumor and also may yeah they, they may ban some of the as i said the the officials to bring iphone back to the office may they may do so but uh, not not the consumer and that definitely they will not ban iphone at all uh, in in mainland so uh um the, the the situation is getting is getting worse but not as worse as people think right now Alex, how do you see the situation with Apple and what does it mean uh, for, for Apple? You know, 20% of its revenues, almost 20% come from mainland China. Yeah, I think, uh, of course, this is uh, would uh, cast some doubt uh, on Apple's uh, China future, but uh, that is also limited to the um, government officials in China. So that is not 20% of the revenues. We are talking about uh, probably much less than 20%, probably 1% or 2% only So uh, at the most. So I think uh, uh, people are over-worried about uh, the, 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 the development. But uh, of course, I think uh, this would not be positive. So we probably may see some uh, cap in the Apple share price for a while. But I don't think uh, Apple would uh, have much downside. I, I presume that the Chinese government isn't going to want to, to ruin Apple because Apple's a big employer on the mainland, isn't it? It employs a, a lot of local people, has a lot of factories um, there. So it's not in China's interests to, to damage Apple too much, as much as it may be tempted to in this, uh, in this tech war. Oh, in this issue, actually, I doubt because uh, education actually is also another sector which employs a lot of people. Mm. So we see the damage <laughs> to the education the no, two years true. ago. So I, I, I don't know that. Yeah. Yep. But what, what do you make of this Huawei phone? I mean, this, this is interesting, isn't it? Because it seems like um, it's sort of avoided anything to do with sanctions because this is a Chinese company dealing with another Chinese company, i.e., SMIC. Presumably, neither. This is nothing to do with U.S. sanctions. It doesn't rely on Western parts. It doesn't rely on Taiwan or South Korea or Japan, nothing to do with patents. It, it seem, they seem to have found a way to get around uh, the damage of these sanctions. 
Yeah, so that would invite more sanctions, I think. So, uh, <laughs> so it, because people look at the capability, so so they know that if you don't get um, more serious on the sanctions, probably uh, they would uh, have a much faster development than you think. So I think uh, the problem is that they, they, this is uh, inviting more sanctions right now. Dickie, let me ask you about uh, the, the economic data we had out of the mainland. First of all, over the weekend, um, we had the inflation figures. Looks like China is creeping out of inflation. Consumer prices rose 0.1% um, year on year. Um, on the core inflation side, that climbed 0.8%. And then producer price uh, inflation dropped 3%. So still in deflation, but nevertheless much slower uh, than the previous month. It was 4.4% uh, the, the previous month. Do, do you think the government's right? It's always maintained, you know, there's no deflation in China. The, the figures seem to be backing that up, don't they? Well, at least um, in slightly the deflationary pressure in mainland China. It's a good thing after all, obviously. Uh, no uh, deflationary pressure always not welcome. Uh, but in the longer term, I think Chinese government, they have to do more stimulus, as I've just mentioned, not only monetary policy, but also fiscal policy all around, not only the property sector, but everywhere else, including the manufacturing sector, and also uh, at least uh, another fresh round of triple R cut for the RMB triple R cut in the future. Uh, but uh, as we can see, the deflationary pressure eased, and I will think that the Chinese, uh, I mean, PBOC uh, will definitely ha have and they will uh, have another round cut of uh, reserve requirement ratio. But uh, as long as the deflationary pressure eased, they will not do this at the moment or within this month. They may have another cut in the fourth quarter, but not right now because they can like uh, wait and see at the moment because uh, CPI, uh, actually, uh, the data come in much better than people's ex expectation. So this may also help to stabilize the overall depreci depreciation of the renminbi as well. But as I've just said, I don't really see so much upside or a really strong rebound, but at least this uh, data, it will give some kind of like a really uh, short-lived rebound of the RMB and also may stabilize a bit the Asia market sentiment. Why do you think it is that, that all this stimulus, it's very piecemeal, isn't it? It's coming in drips and drabs and, um, and, and it seems to be very hard to get Beijing to do very much despite all the talk about wanting to support the economy and despite having, uh, you know, Premier Li Jiang, who everyone thinks is business friendly, it seems to be very hard to get the government to really do anything. Well, yes, you may say so, because like uh, you cannot really do something that really can help to boost the market sentiment. I, when I say market, I mean the stock market as well as the property market. But they already did like all kinds, of, all rounds of like uh, fresh cuts of like um, every single, um, I mean, rates in mainland and, and so on. Um, so yeah, wait and see. Maybe uh, the the market sentiment, as especially the property, uh, will stabilize a bit. Um, 
because this is really a key thing, um, when the property markets stabilize, it also gives some kind of com- confidence for the mainlander to spend on their not only the groceries, but also on some of the like luxuries items. So, yeah, wait and see. But nothing can really uh, t- like uh, improve the situation right away. Alex, what do you make of uh, that inflation data? I mean, it shows that um, the, the country is creeping slowly out of deflation, doesn't it? But it hardly suggesting strong demand. Yeah, I think that's still one piece of data. So we need to see continual improvement in that uh, area. Uh, Actually, China uh, is not too bad in consumption. If you look at the uh, box office of movies, actually, they are doing extremely well in this summer. So I think that people do spend on certain things. Uh, so that's why I think inflation data come in better than expected. But uh, I think PPI probably would remain bad for a while, and that needs consolidation within the uh, industrial sectors, and that would take time. And and overall, I think uh, the global economy probably was slow, so uh, PPI probably was still remain bad. And CPI, I think uh, that would not have too much upside as well, even though we do see some uh, strong performance in certain sectors like uh, cinemas or restaurants or travels. But I don't think uh, we would see a cross-the-board recovery. And also, I think uh, asset actually will still be deflating. Uh, people probably may not have too much uh, interest in buying property because uh, right now um, you are still probably limit to the buying interest into those uh, first-time buyers or marginal buyers, but uh, they are very skeptical, and they, uh, if they think the market is going no, uh, nowhere, actually they would delay their uh, buying decisions. So right now, you are only selling those uh, prime assets of the, uh, the portfolios of those uh, uh, troubled developers. So I don't think uh, we will see recovery in those second-tier or third-tier cities. So uh, very likely, we will see asset deflation expectations still there. So so I think uh, overall the situation may not help much and we need to see more uh, data to confirm uh, China is creeping out of deflation. And what about the trade data? We had trade data at the end of last week. Exports were down 8.8%, imports down 7.3%. I suppose the good news is that it was sort of in line with expectations. The bad news is that trade is still continuing to contract. Yeah, I think for export, actually, they would still remain bad. First of all, I think uh, global demand actually would slow down, and then uh, we are still facing uh, relocation of uh, activities outside China. So uh, that, I think, uh, would continue to remain bad. And for imports, I think uh, this show the overall demand actually uh, still still not there. Uh, actually, this is uh, some change in uh, consumption behavior in the world, not just China. People are going for experience uh, spending uh, instead of uh, actual goods. So I think uh, that's why we are seeing uh, this kind of trade data, because because right now people are going for more on experience uh, instead of actual goods. Dickie, final word to you. What what do you make of that trade data? It seems to be showing internal demand on the mainland quite weak, but also external demand. China can't really rely on that either. I I totally agree with Alex. Um, Indeed, uh, most of the teenagers or youngsters um, in in mainland, unlike their parents, uh, they they don't have any plan uh, to buy a flat in mainland uh, because they're not getting married very soon and they they may not have a baby, uh, so they will spend every single dollar in cinemas, in restaurant, and and in travel as well. So um, any things that um data, I mean um sector related to uh, the restaurant. 
um, movie and also like truffle uh, will definitely outperform the overall market. Okay, well, thank you both very much for your thoughts this morning. You heard there Dickie Wong, who's head of research at Kingston Securities, Alex Wong, who's director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management. I'm joined now by Dr. Yan Wu, who is chairman and CEO of Surfing Group, headquartered in Singapore. Morning, Yan Morning, Peter. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Let's start with the uh, the Chinese economy. We had, uh, first of all, some inflation data over the weekend. China's consumer prices climbed by 0.1% year-on-year after a 0.3% drop um, a month earlier, although producer prices, uh, they're still in deflation. They fell 3% year-on-year in August after a 4.4% decline the previous month. Well, what's this telling us, Yan'an, about the state of uh, demand on consumer demand on the mainland? Yes, uh, Peter, first, I uh, hope you find uh, safe uh, in the black storm weather uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, yeah, uh, regarding the inflation data, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, actually uh, both uh, PPI and CPI has become positive in the month of August. And actually for PPI, it was the first uh, positive uh, you know, the number in the so the year so far, and among the thirty industries, uh, sixteen has uh, shown month on month positive growth. So uh, that's uh, kind of encouraging. But when you look at the uh, factors uh, driven behind the positive uh, recovery, uh, both PPI and CPI, there's a number of uh, you know uh, interesting factors uh, uh, we can notice. One is for PPI, the uh, basically uh, uh, the oil price uh, in the global market has uh, also become an important factor behind the BPI. The uh, uh, oil in both New York and uh, London has, uh, you know, been around ninety US dollars so far per barrel. So that uh, push up the power generation and also other industrial uh, prices uh, going up. And the second factor behind the PPI, of course, is uh, finally, I think the uh, uh, stabilization growth policy has uh, uh, changed expectation for the demand for the industrial materials domestically. So the de-stocking uh, has hopefully uh, bottom uh, you know, up uh, will become restocking especially consider we normally have a golden September and silver October, uh, which is the normally the, well, the popular season uh, for industrial, traditional industry uh, to pick up the demand and restocking uh, throughout the year. So the month of September, October, hopefully uh, will drive further up the industrial prices. And for CPI number, if you look at the uh, factors, uh, mainly the uh, you know pork price has uh, been the main factor uh, for the CPI become positive. And so the uh, if you look at the pork price in October, uh, it has increased in a monthly amounts over eleven percent, and actually that's the largest uh, jump. Uh, so far this year. So uh, if you look, uh, we is projecting September, uh, maybe the uh, the supply for pork uh, will become uh, more ample 
uh, than previous months in summer. So uh, maybe the momentum of pork price uh, jumping uh, will slow, gradually slow down in hmm. the coming months. It does look like if you look into the data, um, consumers are spending. Um, they're certainly spending on things like uh, cinemas or going out to restaurants on, on traveling. They may not yeah. be buying the goods, um, but they're certainly spending on the services, aren't they? Yeah. Yes, uh, indeed. The summertime, of course, is the, also the off-school season. So a lot of family bring the kids uh, to the, uh, you know, to for tourists, uh, especially people cannot uh, and uh, probably not ready, willing to uh, go abroad out of China. So the domestic uh, travel season is very, very hot in the summertime so far, uh, you know, this year. Uh, the, the, the finally, after three years, the uh, uh, the family can bring the kids, uh, you know, out of home and go to enjoy some, you know, summertime and uh, in, enjoy the natural uh, landscape. Uh, so the uh, the summertime traveling uh, price uh, in August had also shown a positive growth, one point four percent. That's uh, uh, above the average. Mm. above the historical average. So mm. so that's a good sign, especially, you know, uh, airfare and the hotel price all come up uh, than the normal uh, season. So so that's indeed show the demand. But the average uh, traveler, average travel tourists are spending uh, still reasonably, uh, still reasonably uh, lower uh, than prior to COVID season. So I think the people's consumption behavior is more rational and uh, still have not recovered uh, mm. back to the previous uh, COVID level. Yeah. And we also had, as well as inflation data, we had trade data as well at the end of last week. Exports down 8.8% year on year, imports down 7.3% uh, year on year. What's that telling us about the Chinese economy? Yeah, both uh, exports and uh, imports, uh, the, uh, the, the gap of the decreasing uh, has narrowed. Uh, if you compare the August number, minus 0.8.8% in U.S. dollar term, compared to the July, it was, uh, you know, uh, minus 14.45%. And import number in U.S. dollar term, minus 7.3%, and uh, uh, lower, much lower than the previous July months of minus 12.4%. So, indeed, uh, the gap of uh, the the downward trend for both export and imports have decreased. Uh, of course, that's also related to the lower base number of previous year. Uh, that's uh, uh, if you, but if you look at the uh, structure of the imports ex- exports, uh, still uh, need to be uh, raise some concern uh, because uh, the largest, uh, uh, you know, in, uh, import from uh, out, uh, outside uh, glo- globally is uh, uh, from Russia. So the in August the China's uh, import from Russia has broke a historical record, uh, which is reaches about 11.5 billion US dollars, and that's uh, uh, you know another a quarter of increase uh, compared to July, and. Uh, the of course the exports from China to act to Russia and also uh, reach a high level, and uh, close to the historical level that was uh, broken in and in June. However, if you can see uh, the China's weight in U.S. Uh, uh, import export has uh, 
it decreased to the lowest level uh, since 2005. And on the other hand, the uh, the Mexico and the Vietnam has beneficiary become uh, enjoy the dividend that the China uh, the has to do export to those countries and the foreign develop, direct investment in those countries has also picked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, in July so far, for the last 12 months, Mexicans are waiting the U.S. Ex- import export has increased to 15 percent and that's a 30-year historical high mm. so uh, and, yeah and yeah. The, the problems between um us and china on on trade and the shifting of supply chains all seems to be getting worse doesn't it we had the news last week that uh the chinese government is cracking down on iphone usage um by by employees in government departments reports suggest that could be extended to state-owned companies it's wiped 200 billion dollars off of apple's market value um last week how big an issue is this is is china trying to, to damage um apple at all or what do you think is the the reasoning behind this yeah the trade uh, definitely is we can see the decoupling uh, from you know like you just mentioned from the home hardware home uh, device uh, you know smartphone device uh, as well uh, the uh, at least uh, right now so far the iPhone 10 is restricted to government level you know the all these SOEs and government uh, uh, if uh, uh, employees uh, was uh, restricted um, to not use iPhone, but actually focus on the Huawei and the other domestic phone brands. Uh, so that's, uh, 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 you know, trying to reduce the worry and also the speculation of the data leakage and uh, the GPS location of, uh, you know, throughout the, uh, through the smartphone. So, uh, so definitely, that's a you know a sign, probably further decoupling uh, in uh, other electronic equipments uh, in uh, trade. So uh, we we'll, we have to watch and see. Uh, uh, I mean, for domestic market, uh, you know, iPhone still push up its uh, you know growth and sales in the China, but at least from the capital market point of view. Uh, we have seen the related uh, supply chain for iPhone. Uh, the stock price has, uh, you know, uh, decreased uh, quite a bit and reacting to this news uh, last week, last two weeks. And, uh, you know, globally, I've, uh, Apple price also stumbled as well. Mm. I worry about the trade imbalance. Uh, you know, it has uh, the RV uh, seeing edge, the offshore U- uh, US dollar versus Chinese RMB has uh, uh, reached uh, you know close to seven point four, uh, so it's going to be seven point five, and that's probably a test of psychology level where the PBOC uh, will tolerate uh, for this uh, depreciation trend of RMB. Okay. Now, let me ask you finally about the, the G20 summit over the weekend. It took place in New Delhi in uh, India. It appears to have been quite a big triumph for India, really, doesn't it? They got against all the odds an agreement on a, on a final communique, although Ukraine wasn't very happy um, about it. But it, it clearly uh, shows that uh, Indian diplomacy, certainly before this conference and due it, uh, has, has delivered results. Yes, uh, <clears throat> yeah, at least from the preparation for G20 summit, uh, I think a lot of science has already uh, surfaced up. Uh, you know, India has taken advantage of being the host. 
uh, G20 this time, this year, and uh, uh, want to push its own uh, pers- uh, personal agenda as well. You know, for example, India trying to change a new country name, Bharat, uh, you know, through, uh, using this uh, platform. Uh, to try to raise its national uh, uh, pride and <coughs> brand name, historical uh, importance. Uh, and U.S., of course, uh, trying to push uh, for this uh, uh, message against Russia and also win the support for, uh, for uh, Ukraine. Uh, so that's, what I think, probably partly why the China didn't you know, uh, have uh, Mr. President uh, Xi uh, going uh, to attend the summit, but rather the Prime Minister, Li Chang, uh, going to attend the summit. In addition to G20, uh, you know, uh, President Biden uh, also also, also uh, uh, visiting Vietnam right after G20 and uh, trying to raise the global the bilateral relationship to a more comprehensive, uh, you know, a strategic partnership between China, uh, between Vietnam and the U.S. Uh, so all these uh, kind of signs are showing the G20, you know, become more and more decoupling as well, uh, become, uh, you know, maybe two sides of uh, value system and also a political uh, agenda mm-hmm. uh, between the two camps. So so I think uh, whether the G20 will continue to show such a, you know, a, comprehensive and a cooperation level in the future years uh, we have to remain to be seen so it will be interesting to see how they uh, communicate and uh, the uh, unified statement coming out from G20 that's a test uh, whether the G20 summit can still hold it together Mm. uh, for the later years it'll be interesting to see also interesting to see how the relationship between india and china develops as well yeah and always a pleasure to talk to you thank you very much indeed that's yan m wu who is chairman and ceo of surfing group headquartered in singapore you're listening to peter lewis's money talk money talk Thank you for listening to Money Talk this morning. You can find more details about some of the topics I've been talking about today, along with information on other headlines and market moves on my daily newsletter. Take a look at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. I'll be back tomorrow with another show. Joining me then will be Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia, Christopher Lee, Partner at Farron Augustine and Alexander Investments, and our US Economics Correspondent, Writer and Broadcaster, Barry Wood. Bye for now. Money Talk. 